Welcome to the August or back to school edition of the Practical Neurology Editor's Choice podcast. In these podcasts, we discuss the editor's pick of the latest edition of Practical Neurology with their authors. And we've got a really practical, applicable topic to discuss today, which is orthoses for neurological ankles. It's a real pleasure to welcome Dr. Stephen Kirker, who is a consultant in rehabilitation medicine at Adamrits Hospital in Cambridge. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's nice to talk to you and to learn about podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Stephen's going to discuss ankle orthoses, their use and abuse in neurological practice, and talk us through when we should be referring to orthotics for special assessment, perhaps provide us some suggestions we might have for our patients while they're waiting for assessment or for other advice or help. Just a reminder to those listening, there's a link to the paper in the description below the podcast. Please do download it and read it. It's a quick and easy read and it's got lots of helpful pictures and a really useful table for reference too. Reminder also that in addition to this podcast, there's the Editor's Highlights podcast, which is a really wonderful way to get an overview of, of the latest edition of Practical Neurology and to whet your appetite a bit. And finally, my usual plea to let us know what you think of these podcasts, if you have a moment, by leaving us a review on the iTunes page. Right, Stephen, let's get to business. I wonder if you could just start by telling us what an orthosis is and what it's trying to achieve. Well, broadly, an orthosis is a device that supports residual function. So in distinction to a prosthesis, which replaces something. Orthoses can be very simple, like a heel raise, or very complicated. They're used to provide support to prevent joints moving beyond the normal range or beyond the range that, for instance, a surgeon might want after a knee replacement. That's great. And for ankle foot orthoses, or AFOs as I think you call them, are we looking at always trying to make people walk? Is that fundamentally what we're trying to achieve, walking or walking without injury? Well, for the majority of them, yes, but they are also useful uh, in people who cannot walk. It may help just with standing because it may compensate for an abnormal posture of the foot and ankle, which might prevent them comfortably weight-bearing to stand. It may stabilise a wobbly ankle and allow them to take weight through their ankle safely just for a standing transfer. And also they can be used to prevent further loss of range of movement, which is a common problem, for instance, if somebody's in bed for ages, and particularly with high muscle tone, and they can also be used to try and provide sustained stretch to regain lost range of movement. Fantastic. Thanks. That's, that's really helpful. Now, you're a rehabilitation consultant. Do you think you approach these patients differently to neurologists? I was struck that you describe problems in quite a biomechanical way or more so than I would. And I wondered whether, whether you think that that's a fundamentally different approach to patients and whether perhaps we need to be thinking more like you to help some of our patients. Well, I, when talking about orthoses, which provide a biomechanical solution or treatment, I try and identify the biomechanical problem. But for orthoses or a problem when there's loss of range of movement or an abnormal posture or people are moving in an abnormal way, 
the sort of abnormal movement they show is more important than what's going on at a cellular basis and the underlying disease process. Yeah, so thinking through a, a practical way to solve a, a practical problem, I suppose. Yes, and hence, uh, and hence they orthoses work for very many different underlying disease processes. They're not restricted to just multiple sclerosis or just strokes. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, not just to neurology either. Absolutely. Before we go through sort of specific products or problems, I thought it'd be really useful to just talk through the stages of gait that we're trying to help and what we're looking for orthoses to do in those different stages. Yes. Uh, well, when describing gait, we generally always talk about what one leg is doing. Broadly, there's swing phase when the leg is moving through the air and is not taking weight. Then it's initial contact with the ground, which is normally with the heel. And then you move to mid stance. When the foot should be flat on the ground, they should be taking uh, half their body weight through that leg. And then a little later in stance phase, they will be taking all their weight through that leg as the other one swings through the air. And then, a little later, you want some push-off with your toes and plantar flexors to move you forward while the other leg is moving through the air. And then the other leg touches the ground, that's initial contact. And the leg we are describing would then come up off the ground and start swinging. And do you think it's helpful to think through that process in stages when you're looking at what the problem is and trying to think about a, a practical solution? Uh, yes, it, it's very important because it completely influences the approach to correcting or compensating for the problem. So in, in simple terms, if somebody has a, a low tone foot drop, the main complaint is that the, they can't pick up their foot properly when it swings through the air and it hangs down. The forces required to correct that, to hold the foot up in a relatively normal position, are low, because all you have to do is support the weight of the foot. So it's relatively easy to apply these low forces. It doesn't require a finely tuned device, and hence a simple elastic foot lifter, or a simple off-the-shelf plastic ankle foot orthoses, works well for that problem because it, you don't need anything terribly precise. It doesn't need to push hard and therefore doesn't risk causing pain from pressure sores and that sort of thing. However, if you are trying to compensate or correct a problem at heel strike, at initial contact where the heel should be hitting the ground, or when the, their body weight is going through their foot in stance phase, then the forces required to control and correct things are much greater. And therefore these need to be applied in just the right way. Otherwise, it, they will end up pressing on the skin too hard and it will become uncomfortable. Or the thing may not be, may not be stiff enough to actually provide a useful amount of support. The other big thing to consider is whether 
they actually have a sufficient range of movement at the ankle to get it flat on the ground when standing. So if they have a, a calf contracture, for instance, then one would need to compensate for that. No amount of pushing and stretching is going to get their heel to the ground in the short term. So you need to compensate for that rather than try and correct it. If we start with swing phase and look at the range of people that have problems there, are they just floppy feet or do we see other problems presenting with, with problems in swing phase? The problem people have when walking uh, in swing phase are primarily that the foot either falls down into plantar flexion if their dorsiflexor muscles are weak due to a perineal neuropathy, for instance, or if they have spastic plantar flexors, these muscles actively pull the foot down into plantar flexion. And presumably you need different solutions for those two problems. Yes. If the muscles are actively pulling the foot into an abnormal position, the orthosis needs to push much harder to correct that. And that needs to be a precise fit. They need to see the orthotist. If the problem is that they have a, a low-toned foot drop, but they're quite stable once they've got their foot flat on the ground, then a simple off-the-shelf elastic thing, which they can buy from the internet, should work quite well. And are there very many people who fit into that bracket who could have a, a quick fix off-the-shelf or off-the-internet-shelf solution? Uh, I hesitate about that because there probably are, but then... I tend not to see them. Uh, the orthotist may see more of them. And also the physiotherapists themselves may supply the simple elastic foot lifters or direct people to buy their own. And I think that that is entirely appropriate. That's much the quickest way of addressing the problem. Uh, and a lot of that, you mentioned in the article that the choice for the type of device there depends a lot on, on the individual patient. Yes, yes. I mean, it doesn't work if they won't use it. So uh, somebody has to be able to put the thing on and wear this type of footwear they want to wear. Also, you know, if people insist on walking around indoors with no footwear on, these things are not going to work very well. And do they need to wear it? Do most people need to wear it all the time that they're walking? Or for some of these patients, is it just that they need it when they're going further distances or when they're out of the house? Well, it, both may apply. So some people can manage all right when they're pottering around in the house. They can, um, you know, touch furniture or touch the walls for balance. And they may not uh, walk far enough to get tired. And they know the environment and they know what's on the floor. So they can manage uh, indoors without a device. However, it, when they're walking outdoors, uh, where the environment may be a bit more threatening, they can't touch anything else for balance and they need to be more stable and better able to resist environmental threats like other people bumping into you or they're walking further and are more likely then to therefore to tire and hence the foot drop or ankle instability gets worse then wearing one outdoors is much more likely to be useful yeah yeah and what what are the most popular versions of the simple solutions to just lift and support a foot 
Well, I think the, the, the simple elastic foot lifter, because it is generally comfortable to wear and the patient can adjust it themselves. So it, it's very simple. It's a, a broad, soft cuff, you, which they wear around their ankle. And then there's an elastic strap on it, which clips onto your shoelaces. And the person can, you know, adjust the, t- the tightness of the elastic according to their preference. Also, it, it does not lock up your ankle completely. For instance, if people want to drive and press the pedals, they can still plant and flex their foot against the elastic. Whereas if you have a rigid plastic or carbon fiber ankle foot orthosis, that is designed to stop you doing that. So people generally cannot press pedals in cars wearing a rigid ankle foot orthosis, which is one of their main complaints. Yes, and and if um, people are looking at the paper or or do go on to download the paper, there's some excellent pictures just highlighting those differences with a... It makes it visually very easy to see uh, Stephen's point there with the comparison of those two devices, including a a lovely homemade elastic foot lifter with a a puppy collar and a bungee cord. So these really are very simple devices. Yes, yes. Just before we move on to uh, stance, um, you mentioned functional electrical stimulation for swing face. Could you just explain to us what functional electrical stimulation is and who it might work for? This is a clever and ingenious technique which electrically stimulates through the skin the perineal nerve, which then activates the uh, tibialis anterior. Uh, and if you, depending on what, exactly where you put the pads, some of the other muscles in that area and then the muscles dorsiflex the foot as they should normally do during the swing phase of gait. The timing of this is controlled by a switch worn uh, in the shoe under the heel. So the stimulation is on while your foot is swinging through the air and when your heel hits the ground the switch is compressed and it turns off the stimulation. So this is called a a foot drop stimulator. They work well for people who have an upper motor neurodegion. So it does not work if you have, if your foot drop is due to a peripheral neuropathy, because stimulating the nerve doesn't do anything. Yes. But it's only tolerable or practical if they don't have much spasticity. Because if your calf muscles are actively pulling your foot down, the amount of electrical stimulation to the perineal you have to deliver to overcome that starts to become very uncomfortable. Yeah. However, the advantages that it is cool because it doesn't cover up your leg with stuff and it is lightweight and you don't get the feeling that you're trussed up or locked up by a gadget. Yes. And you can wear pretty well all your shoes because it doesn't take up any significant space. Yes. So light and discreet. Yes. Uh, however, uh, being a uh, electrical battery operated gadget, there's more to go wrong. And it does require the patient to learn how to put the pads on in exactly the right place. So there's more for them to get wrong. Yeah. So ingenious for a small group of people. Yes, yes. So some of the other problems are that it doesn't really control any problems that somebody has during the stance phase because the thing is turned off. And then there's also the practical issue 
that in many parts of the country, the NHS does not commission it. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. Are most of the options that you've listed in the paper available on the NHS? Well, they certainly all are in my area. The only reason I hesitate is about the lycra garment. Some areas are very tight about bespoke lycra garments, but all the plastic and carbon fibre and the moulded ones, those are all entirely routine and available everywhere. Well, that's great. And what about the orthotics assessment that is required to get the right one? All orthotists, they spend a lot of time in their training learning about feet and gait and movement because uh, broadly orthotists spend most of their time dealing with feet and ankles and knees because apart from neurological problems they deal with diabetic feet and rheumatologic feet and footwear so huge amount of their training is about feet and ankles and how they move and how they're supposed to move so they will all have been taught how to assess for and make ankle foot orthosis and then after they graduate go to practice they will all continue to make those even if they work somewhere where there are three or four orthotists and come to be able to specialize a bit so incredibly useful um people to know and get to know well absolutely brilliant i had no dealings with orthotists until i started rehab medicine training i mean i well i'd had virtually no experience in rehabilitation until i started rehab medicine training as a senior registrar uh, even when I started that, most orthotists were in single-handed practice and their appointments were 10 to 20 minutes, you know, for eight hours a day, five days a week. So they didn't have any time to go to MDT clinics or, you know, liaise with doctors or do anything. And in many cases, their notes were in a different volume. Therefore, doctors looking in the doctor's notes saw no evidence that orthotists existed and heads learned nothing. Nowadays, particularly with the electronic records, they're all in the same place and the doctors and physios can read each other's notes, which helps enormously. Yes, doesn't it? And presumably there are more of them now. Uh, I am fortunate in that uh, I have about four orthotists in my department who I work with. Uh, and There used to just be one. But that, that is not to be taken for granted. In a lot of, and perhaps the majority of district general hospitals, there'll be one orthotist. And there may be one orthotist on Tuesday and Thursday and a different one on Monday and Wednesday. So they're pretty thin on the ground in most DGHs. Which is important then to, to recognise the need for early referral, which I think you've emphasised hard in the paper. Yes, yes. For several reasons, they may be able to get quite a lot of benefit. It's easier to compensate and correct, and in many cases stop things getting worse by treating early. Uh, it's not going to do any harm, and compared to a lot of pills and things, it doesn't cost much. So, uh, yes, I would recommend early assessment and sort of getting into the orthotic system. Thank you. I wondered if we could talk through a couple of sort of clinical scenarios which we might need to think about AFOs or, or when they would be helpful mm -hmm. and maybe just talk through some of the problems that, that you have and, and how you think about those solutions. 
So let's start with someone with widespread lower motor neuron weakness. So uh, a recovering Guillain-Barre perhaps or a, a polyneuropathy patient. Mm -hmm. What are the gait problems that you might see there and how do orthoses help them? Uh, well, they've probably got bilateral foot drop. They will have lost much uh, sort of active push-off uh, because their plantar flexors will be weak. So they won't have any spring in their step. And their, their ankles may be globally unstable when they are standing, if the plantar flexors are weak as well. Also, if this has been going on for a long time, and for instance, they've been in, uh, in bed for ages, their plantar flexors muscles in their calves are likely to have become shortened and hence, when they try and stand up, they may have difficulty getting their heels on the ground, or it may be very uncomfortable trying to get their heels on the ground. So they are likely to benefit from an orthosis which corrects for the inability to get their heel on the ground without undue tension in their calf muscles, something which uh, stops their foot dropping down during the swing phase of gait, something which stores some energy at initial heel strike uh, and then stores that energy in the carbon fiber uh, so that it gives them a bit of spring when that energy is released at the end of uh, stance phase. So most carbon fiber things are bought off the shelf and are designed to hold a foot in the normal neutral position. Uh, if they have shortening of their calf muscles and cannot get their foot all the way down into it, one can put wedges on top of the foot plate of an off-the-shelf ankle foot orthosis. And that is uh, much easier and cheaper than trying to make a bespoke carbon fiber springy ankle foot orthosis, which is possible uh, but very expensive, and the NHS probably won't pay for that. Right. I mean, it sounds like the problems are really quite individual and require sort of breaking down to exactly which muscles are involved or which nerves are involved and, and exactly where the balance is in that patient. Yes, yes, that's true. Because uh, also, if you make the ankle foot orthosis too stiff, well, they won't be able to move at all uh, because they won't be able to sort of roll forward when they're trying to walk they'll just be stuck there rigidly so it's a bit of a compromise between how much support you want to give in one phase of gait but also you want the thing to be flexible enough so they can, they can actually move at all yeah and again we're sort of realizing quite how helpful it is to have people who really understand those things and are able to go through each of those aspects and get exactly the right thing for patients yes yes well also orthotists who actually have enough time to do that yes you know 10 minutes is not enough you know they may be able to uh, become expert at uh, identifying the problems when just watching somebody walk but uh, you know explaining the options and going through them and hearing the patient's preferences and priorities and so on all that takes time all that takes some time yeah, and, and presumably the more complex ones might change in their needs over time. Do some conditions or some problems change more than others? Uh, yes. Well, children grow for a start. Good point. People with multiple sclerosis, uh, initially they may be walking around fine. 
then spasticity becomes more a bit more of a problem. Uh, but that might just be in one leg, so one, they might have something which compensates, corrects, and controls that, allowing them to walk quite well. And then as the thing, as the disease progresses, and deformity becomes more of a problem, they may need something else aiming to allow them to stand up safely to do a standing transfer. Yeah. What about people with um, sort of an acute stroke and, and developing sort of upper nose neuron pathology? Mm-hmm. Do you ever see people sort of hyperacutely? And is there is there is it helpful to see people hyperacutely, or do we need to give a period of time to wait for pathology to evolve or to know what the problem is? It is worthwhile considering an orthosis soon after a stroke. I accept uh, the goalposts are moving. However, at the stage, for instance, when somebody is learning to stand to do a standing transfer, everybody is going to be happier with that if their ankle is supported in a safe way. So to reduce the risk of uh, them rolling over and spraining it uh, or tripping over because it hangs down limply, a simple off-the-shelf Plastic ankle foot orthosis uh, would help in that situation, um, even if that's just for a few weeks. So, so the, the, if the idea is to get somebody to practice standing as soon as possible, even if it is supported standing, we need to make sure that they don't sprain their ankle in the process. Yeah. And so we need to be thinking about these things very early. Yes. To help people get back on their feet, reassessing because their needs might change. Yes. But also following up those people who have problems that continue to evolve or disease that continues to progress. Yes, yes, absolutely. So after a stroke, in the early stages, the priority is to protect their ankle uh, with a very simple thing which you can supply now. Then three weeks later, when they are learning to walk around, and it is clear that walking is going to be how they move about, and also their muscle tone might be beginning to increase a bit. Then they may need something that is rather closer fitting or stiffer. But then a year later, if they've done lots of stretching and have controlled their muscle tone and have a decent range of movement, they may have improved enough that they don't need to wear an orthosis uh, all the time. They might just need something if they're going for a longer walk when they're more likely to get tired. That's really helpful. That's really helpful to think through the, the sort of course of disease. It sounds like there's an awful lot of work for, uh, for orthotists out there. There is, yes, and there aren't very many of them. It's, it's an un- underused form of treatment. Thank you. I think the one thing I was really keen to ask you about was what's sort of out there on the horizon. It feels to me like there's a sort of a, a real wave of technology advancing and all the biomechanical feedback and bioinformatics um, that, that's developing. Are there sort of novel ways to, to analyse gait impairments or, or potentially new treatments? Do you think there's a way that that kind of technology advance can help us in this area? Yes, um, it is very much secondary to improved ability to actually apply what is known and available, i.e. having enough orthotists with enough time to do it. Uh, However, the sort of new things that are developing, or the newer things, so for instance, you can get implantable electrical stimulators where you don't have electrodes on the skin, but 
you actually have them around the implanted around the nerves this helps to avoid the problem of things moving around the nhs doesn't doesn't supply those so um, i have no experience of using them fes is used and works well to make rhythmical cycling movements uh, which is very useful for people with spinal cord injury so they can be sat in front of a well, modified exercise bike, a little bit like the ones that uh, stroke patients use in physio gyms. And a functional electrical stimulation can stimulate their quadriceps muscles and their calf muscles and will make them cycle. So this is a way to uh, exercise the muscles, keep some blood moving through them, maintain the range of movement and help to keep them a bit cardiovascularly fitter. It is possible to use electrical stimulation to make people walk so it's possible to make people make rhythmical stepping movements for walking a straight line the trouble is these systems they can't compensate for any perturbation or stumble and i don't think you can turn corners because those are much more complicated movements which require much more complicated patterns of electrical stimulation. So it's nice theory, and it's nice to see people making stepping movements on a treadmill, but they can't walk to the toilet. Yes. And fundamentally, lots of those advances are going to require the right orthoses to be able to be functionally useful. Yes. Yes. And uh, people to fit them and somebody, yes. to, somebody to commission them. Yeah, they're, they're a little way off, it sounds. Yes. Yes, I think... Um, uh, wider availability of what's currently around would make a bigger difference. Thank you. That's a very helpful, practical point. Any final tips or, or words of wisdom you'd like to give our neurologists out there? Uh, well, broadly, if you are thinking of referring somebody to a physiotherapist because they have a lower limb movement problem, just think, is an orthosis likely to help as well? And hence, should I refer to an orthodist as well? Thank you. I think that'll really be acted on. Thank you so much for, for such a practical and applicable discussion of our needs and, and for breaking down your paper so beautifully, especially really highlighting the importance of early referral and, and what it is that that, that service can provide um, to benefit our patients. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear you find it helpful. We've got a final reminder for our listeners that you can access the paper to see those beautiful pictures that, that really do help work through the clinical problems and help bring that to life a lot. So follow the link that's in the description below the podcast to get access to that paper. Remember, you can subscribe to PM Podcasts on any platform, Google, Apple or Spotify, and they'll come directly to your device each month. And a final request to let us know what you think so that we can continue to improve these via leaving us a, a review on iTunes. Thank you all for listening. Um, and thank you again to Dr. Stephen Kirker for a fantastic podcast. You're very welcome. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you.